Well, how's everyone doing this weekend? You guys feeling good? Yeah, well, I'm excited to be in God's house. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. It's a joy and honor and privilege to be able to serve you guys in any way, shape, or form. And it's just a great day. And Jessica, my wife, and I, we and my little girl, we just love you guys. We really do consider you guys our CLC family. So we just want to thank you guys for welcoming us. It's been an honor to do this. And uh, we've been in this amazing sermon series called Limitless. How many have been enjoying this sermon series so far? It's been really good. And we're looking at the limitless possibilities that God has given each and every person in this room. And if I could call it a thesis statement, the thesis statement really of this message series that we've been looking at is me plus God, there we go, plus faith. Oh, you are a good crowd. Saturday night did not know this, all right? Plus blank, which I'll give you in just a moment, equals L-I-T-I-E-S. There we go. A lot of I's in there, all right? But me plus God plus faith plus blank equal possibilities. In the first week, we looked at me plus God plus faith plus little things equal possibilities. That the little things in your life that God lays into your lap can be a big possibility for God to use in great and mighty ways. The second week, we, uh, last weekend, we looked at me plus God plus faith plus my Jerusalem equals possibilities. And how cool it was that we as a church gave almost $36,000 to you guys in the building. Each one of you got $20 bill to affect and commission your Jerusalem in any any way that you see fit. That is a really cool thing. And we can't wait to hear the stories of how God's going to use that $20 bill. And if you're new here and you're like, what is my Jerusalem? My Jerusalem is where you work, live, and play, and do life in. So we commissioned you to do that, and we can't wait to see the possibilities that will come about from that. But this weekend, I want to I talk to you about your most valuable possession, your most valuable possession. We're talking about the thing that is in your hands right now that you should care for more than anything else that's in your possession right now. We're talking about the gift that God has given you and how you should steward that gift because it's precious and it's powerful. And this week, we're looking at me plus God plus faith plus big yeses equals possibilities. Come on, how many want to say yes to Jesus today? Amen. And we're going to talk about big yeses equal possibilities. You are in possession right now of a tiny little word, but that word is connected to your expectations, to your will, to your ways. And with it, you can open up by saying yes to the right things. And that can lead to a gateway uh, of a life that is blessed by God. Or you could say yes to the wrong things, which can lead to a gateway uh, to a life of regret by saying yes to the, to the wrong things. That little word yes and its companion, even smaller word no, are the building blocks to construct your Monday, your Tuesday, your week, your entire year. And really, it's the building block to construct your entire life. It's all based on your yes. And it's really up to you what you say yes to. You are in charge of what you say yes to. It's not determined by outside circumstances. You are in charge of what you say yes to. And we oftentimes really get this view of our, our lives and it's a kind of a complicated view, and, but really, if it, we just sum it all up, it all comes down to your yeses and your no's. 
They are the building blocks for your life. What you say yes to can have so many good possibilities, but what you say no to can have some really bad possibilities as well if you don't know what you're doing. And so it really comes down to our yes. And I was learning a little bit about coding. How many coders in the room today? All right, how many, any coders? Any, any geek guys are here or geek girls? All right, we got a few. Now, some of you are like, okay, he's gonna talk about coding. He knows nothing about coding, all right? This is gonna be a train wreck, all right? But I know a little bit about coding, all right? Um, I know that coders, for the most part, are invisible. Like, they don't have the premier corner suite in the office. You know, they don't, they don't have the nice office. They're like down six hallways, down six flights of steps in a window dark room under pressure to get things done for the outside world, right? Those are coders, all right? So, um, but everything that you see on a screen is all based on code. Are you with me? Some of you are like, I don't care. I just care how I get it, all right? But this is what, it's all based on code. The text was built on code. And what I learned about code is that there are bits and that there are bytes. And eight bits form one byte. And all of these bytes link up together and they transfer more information, powerful information to us on our screens, whatever screen that you're looking at. And it's all based on, get this, all based on just two numbers. The number one and the number zero. And so it's random possibilities. One, 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 zero, 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 and they form bytes and more bytes and they transfer all the information. All the technology that we have is all based on just two numbers. I was like, what? And watch this. It's the very same way with our life. Everything that we do in this life is all based on our yeses and our noes. It all comes down to the power of your yes and the power of your no. And what God wants you to see this weekend is that you have the power and the ability to open up in a way of life that God wants to bless by the power of your yes. Amen? He wants to bless it. He wants to have you a blessed life, but you have to remember to say yes to God. And I think that we love to get our specific yeses and our specific noes, right? You hear this week and you're like, this is the message for me. I can't wait. I'm going to get my specific yes. I'm going to find out, should I marry this person or should I not? Should I take this job? Maybe some of you are like, should I, I want that specific no. Should I be dating this guy or not? And you're like, man, I can't wait. And you're thinking, all right, Josh is just going to get all spiritual, and I'm not going to get my specific yes, and I'm not going to get my specific no. And I just want to encourage you that I believe that you will get your specific yes today. I believe that you will get your specific no because we serve a God who is concerned about the details of your life. I, I believe as I was praying this weekend, I believe that there are some people here today that God wants to change their whole destiny. God is gonna call you up to a life of possibility. And it may just be calling you out of a life of negativity and into the power of you having the ability to say yes to the things of God, which in turn will lead to God God-sized possibilities. Amen? I believe someone's destiny is going to change this weekend. And so we're going to talk about this, all right? So most of what God really wants to do in our life, it all starts with our yes. The possibilities that God has for our life, it all starts with a yes. And oftentimes it will cost us something. My first point for you today is this, your big yes will cost you. Your big yes will cost you something, either your time, either your efforts, or your money. And your time, it will cost you your time. Most Americans would say that 48% actually would say that they don't have enough time 
in the day to get certain things done. And uh, being a new dad, about 14 months into this thing, I am realizing that time is very precious, all right? And I don't have a lot of time. When I was, just Jessica and I, man, we had so much time to do anything that we wanted, all right? Now having a kid on my days off, like she's not, no longer at an age, my daughter, where she's like, you know, just sitting down and smiling. Like she is like a runner, all right? Anybody, parents know what I'm talking? She's a runner, 14 months old. Take a look at this. Look, take a look at this little girl right here. Come on, 14 months old, and I'm telling you, time goes by. It's flying by. I cannot believe it's only 14 months. It's crazy. And I realize that time is precious and it's powerful. And, and we've all been given the same amount of time. You know, it, it's 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day. We've all been given the same amount of time. And it's up to us what we say yes to with our time. It's not determined by outside circumstances. And we as Americans, we love to pride ourselves in being busy, 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 busy people. And we schedule our calendar so full. And then oftentimes when God does the nudge and says, hey, I would love for you to serve in kids' life. I would love for you to be part of a life group. I would love for you to be part of a worship team and, and the tech team. And oftentimes our response is, well, I just don't have time. I just don't have time. But we have time for the things that are important for us. And it's how we steward the time that God has given us and what we say yes to. And I was reading this week, a Gallup poll said that only 10% of church members are actually serving in the church. And what's even more shocking is that over 50% of church members say, I don't want any interest in, in serving in the church. Man, we, we gotta understand, maybe your big yes this weekend is I'm going to say no to some things on my schedule. and I'm going to say yes to the possibilities that God is calling me to do. It's going to cost you your time. Your big yes will cost you some efforts. It's going to require efforts. Maybe to schedule out more time in your, in your work week. Maybe it's going to schedule some time to talk to that neighbor a little bit longer. Whatever it is. Maybe it's not watching a certain football game. Maybe it's not watching you know, a certain TV show. Whatever it is, it's going to cost you some effort. And it's also going to cost you your money, your finances. After all, the money that we have is, is God's first, right? It, we're just here to steward the money. It's not ours to begin with. He gave it to us first. And it's gonna cost us our finances, our money. If you have a Bible, go to Matthew 25, verse 14. And there's this parable that, that Jesus is telling his disciples. And Matthew 25, verse 14 is where we're gonna start but it talks about how a master is going about on a long journey and he has three servants and he gives five bags of silver to one servant. He gives two bags of silver to another servant and he gives one bag of silver to the other servant. And so the master goes on this long trip and each servant decides what they're going to do with the money that they had been given so that when the master comes back, they would have to give an account of what they did with the money that they had been given. And let me, just, let me just pause here for a second because, because all of us in this room, whether you believe in Christ or not, will one day stand before Jesus Christ and will give an account for how we used our financial resources. All of us in this room, whether, that's, whether you believe in Christ or not. And so the servant here, and, and so the master goes along and the servant who had five bags said to the master, I invested what you gave me. And it doubled. It multiplied. I took what you gave. I didn't maintain it, but it doubled. I have more than what you gave me. And the master says, well done, 
good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a small, now I'm going to give you even more. So here's a man who starts out with some, and he makes more what he has, and the master says, man, I am pleased with you. I'm going to give you even more. And Jesus says that this is what the kingdom of God looks like. Listen, we don't serve a backwards kingdom. We don't serve a backwards God. We don't serve a God who demotes. We don't serve a God who goes less and less. We serve a God who wants to give us exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask for. Amen? And that's what God is equating the kingdom of God. He wants to give us even more. So the servant got a good response for the master. The second servant. He comes and says, hey, hey, I gave you two bags of silver. All right, what did you do? And the the servant says, I invested what you gave me, and it doubled. It doubled. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few, and now I'm going to give you even more. Notice that the first two guys got got the same answer, got the same answer. Even though one had been given more than the other, they both got the same response from the master. The master was pleased with both of, what, of the servants, what they did with the money. And, and, and catch this, because you may not have been given as much as the person sitting next to you, but it doesn't matter. As long as you're using what God has given you wisely and stewarding it, God wants to multiply it and double it. He wants to help you with that. Just use what you got. Carrying on in the, in the story, verse 24 Now the third servant came to the master and he says, I know you're a harsh master. I hid that one bag of silver that you gave me. So here it is, safe and sound, that one bag of silver. Like you can almost feel the master's mood. He's boiling right now. He's like, how could you do this? At least you could have invested the money in the bank and it gained some interest. Why did you do that? And he says to the master in verse 20, uh, he says to the servant in verse 29, he says, throw out that worthless slave into the outer darkness, that place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And some in the room might say, well, that's not, that's not fair. That's not fair. Well, what's not fair is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He took hell for us. He took, he took the punishment that, for us that we deserved, which would have been fair. But in turn, he expects us to multiply the gifts and the talents that he has given us on this earth. Amen? He, is, he expects that for us. And as a church, I'm telling you, this God-sized vision booklet, I was reading through it this weekend. It, it's powerful stuff, this God-sized vision booklet. We have been given, we've been given so much with our finances here. And we have been given so much, and we were able to give back. We are literally changing the world. And if you flip through this, I mean, all these projects that we were giving to, but that first, that first page just caught my attention. Look at this, $2.4 million from you guys. That's something to get excited about. Come on. That's changing lives. And if you're new here this week and you're like, okay, like how does the church do that? Like why does the church give away $2.4 million? How do they do this? Well, let me let you in on some inside baseball. Most CLCers here in the room have practiced this thing called stewardship. And it's practiced by our board. It's practiced by our elders and, and key lay leaders and teachers and staff members. And it's best demonstrated in what we call the pipes, all right? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you the pipes today. And if you know, if you've been to see a while, you know that only the legend himself have pre- has preached the pipes before, all right? So um, 
but you got your boy today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you the pipes, all right? And so the pipes, this is how we're able to invest $2.4 million into all these missionaries and projects all around the world. It's demonstrated through what we call the pipes, the pipes. And so what we have here, we have PVC pipes, PVC fittings, and each uh, fitting represents a percentage of your income. So these are 10%. So we got 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70. This is 5%, 75, 80, 85, 90, 95. This is 2%, 97, 98, 99, and 100. This is 100% representation of your income. And the Bible says that there is clear, practical ways in how we should manage our resources, our finances. And so what he does here, God gives us some, some tools and things to do this. But sadly in our country, even though we live in the most prosperous generation, prosperous country, most Americans would say that the most common stress would be finances. And I believe that this illustration will help you get away from, from that stress. So the first category that we're supposed to give to is what we call taxes. Say taxes. No one likes talking about taxes except the tax man, but we, we believe that you're supposed to give around 28% of your income to taxes. Now that's actually pretty conservative and to, if you think about it after sales tax and property tax, but we're supposed to give taxes and, 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 G, and they asked Jesus in the Bible, should we pay to Caesar or should we con contribute our money to you? And what Jesus says in Matthew twenty-two twenty-one, 21, he says, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. So we're supposed to give around 28% of our income to taxes. Render, that means pay to Caesar and then pay to God, pay your taxes, 28%. The second category is what we call giving. Giving. And the Bible talks about a tithe and offerings. A tithe literally means 10%. And let's just say offerings are around 2%, although it could be more. And when it comes to giving, oftentimes we like to restrict and hold back uh, what we give to God. And the Bible actually talks about this in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. He says, now he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. That's a key word, under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Listen, if you're not at a spot in your life where you're able to give cheerfully, but you're only able to give under compulsion, God doesn't want your money. He wants, a, he wants you to give from a heart that trusts him. And in turn, he will bless you with your finances once you give with that cheerful heart. So about 10% of your income should go to giving. Um, the third category that we're supposed to use our money wisely is savings. Savings. And the Dave Ramseys of the world will say you should at least save around 10% of your income for a rainy day. This is also biblical. In Proverbs 21.20, it says there is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. In other words, it's foolish to live paycheck to paycheck. Let's get practical. If you were to leave here today and you, uh, your tire goes out and it turns out you have to replace all four tires, loads of Americans would say that they could not replace all four tires without incurring some sort of financial crisis, aka swiping the credit card. So we want to encourage you to at least save 10% of what you make into a savings account so that when that happens, you're able to have that money ready and available. Washer and dryer go out, whatever it is to have that money available. 
And the last category, category according to the biblical perspective, is what we call lifestyle. Lifestyle. And if you're doing the math, you're kind of having this whoa moment, like over 50%, 50% is what you have left to live off on your lifestyle. But most people would say, well, I just can't live off just 50% of my income for lifestyle. How do I do that? Well, Paul gives us the secret. Philippians 4, 11, he says, not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. That's the key word. Learn to be content, whether you have enough or whether you have little. Learn to be content. And when you do that, when you learn to be content, you will be able to live off that 50% for your lifestyle. So once this becomes your lifestyle and you practice this, man, you will have way less financial stress and way more peace. But sadly... There is one more category that most Americans are familiar with, and, and that is what we call debt. Debt. And statistics say that uh, Americans have around 30% in debt. And what happens is, the problem is, this could be a biblical way of how you live your life financially, right? If you are, if you are living on 20%, if you're saving 10%, or if you're uh, giving 10%, this could be a biblical way of how you live your life. But sadly, most Americans will say, I just can't live off 20%. And so what ends up happening, they start to rob themselves and say, I really wish I could save, but I can't. And so they use that 10% for their lifestyle. And then they're like, oh, I really wish I could, could give and tithe and, and, and give my offerings to Jesus, but I just, I just can't. And what they end up doing, they start to rob themselves and they rob God. And how can we say God bless us financially when we are literally robbing God of the money that he gave to us first? And so my encouragement for you this weekend is, is pay off that debt. If you have debt as fast as you can, start giving 10% to Jesus. Start, start saving at least 10% into a, some sort of an account and start paying off that debt. Because once you do that, let me just say this. Once you do that, just imagine the possibilities that God wants to do in and through your financial resources when you start living with a biblical perspective of how you manage your resources. Amen? So that's the pipes, everybody. <laughs> you guys are too kind. All right. So uh, your big yes will cost you something. Number two, my second point for you today is your yes to God is to a person, not a plan. Your big yes is to a person, not a plan. Anybody in the house married today? Can I see your hands? Oh, we got a lot of married people in the house. Come on. Some single people are like, whew, now nah, I'm not married, all right? Some of you single people are like, I hope to get married. And my answer for you is, if God wants it to happen, he'll make a way. Is that a good answer? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> when it comes, but when it comes to the wedding moments, um, I've done several weddings before, but when it comes to that moment, I mean, it's kind of been overtaken by literally the power of two people saying yes to each other. You got bridal showers and bridal parties and, and, and cakes and receptions. And it's kind of been overtaken by literally the power of just two people saying just two words to each other. I do. And, 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 and the vows are powerful for better or for worse. In other words, I do to you, Jessica, my wife, I do to you, Josh, whether this goes really, really great or really, really bad, 
really tough. I say I do to you. I'm not saying I do to the plan. Because listen, no minister, as no matter how good they are, can stand at the altar and, and, and say, okay, I'm going to give you a flyby of the next 18 years of the life, all right? Like he's going to lose his job twice. You're not going to have much income. They're going to require you to move to like Kansas City where there's no Wi-Fi. And, and are you okay with that? <laughs> and let me tell you about her. Four years from now, it's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. You know, listen, no, we don't say I do to a detailed plan. We say, I do to the person. We're saying, this is my person, whether through thick or thin, richer or poorer, right? And I said, Jessica, I do to you, whether in health or sickness, I say yes to you. No, we don't know the circumstances. We don't know the sickness seasons that are coming. We don't know the joys and the, and the winds that are going to happen. But I just say, I do to you because you're my person. And can I just say this? We just celebrated eight years of marriage this past week. She's right over there. I love her. It's powerful stuff. And uh, this, is where we should, this is where we should start with God. We should start with saying yes to God. Whether things are going bad, whether things are going good, we say yes to God. We say yes to the almighty God. We're not going to bail when things are going rough. When we're in a rough season, we're saying, God, I'm not, I'm not bailing when it's a hard season. I'm not going to bail when there's sickness in my life because I believe in you. I believe in you, God. We start by saying yes to the person of Jesus, not to a detailed plan. And listen, if your relationship is, is built on a detailed plan with God, what will happen is, is your relationship with God will go like this, up and down, up and down. Because if you know that, okay, a year from now, I'm going to lose my job, so I'm therefore not going to tithe and give, so I'm just going to stop doing that. That dishonors God. Well, if you know that the sickness season is going to come a couple years down the road, you're like, okay, I'm not going to show up to church. Listen, that's why God doesn't like to give us detailed plans because he knows that our relationship with him will go like this up and down. And if you know much of the details, oftentimes what will happen is you start to negotiate the plan that God has for you. You'll start to say, well, okay, I know the plan, God, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to take this step. And God's saying, no, no, no. The, the, the plan was saying yes to me. You don't want to take that next step without me. You don't want to go to that place without me. The yes is to a person, not to a detailed plan. Look what, look what one of my Bible hero, heroes has to say about this. Genesis chapter 12, if you have a Bible. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. There's a guy named Abraham, and he is, he is in this, this circumstance where God is giving him an amazing opportunity, an amazing invitation to say yes. And this is his story. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house. In other words, I, 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 Abram, I want you to leave everything behind. But I'm not going to show you or tell you where you're going yet. In other words, I'm just, saying, I'm just asking you, Abraham, to say yes to me and not to the plan. And some of you are like, well, why would God do that? Why would God do it? Not give him some details or something. Well, if you read a few verses before in Genesis 11, Abram's father, Terah, was on his way to the promised land, and he begins to stop going to the promised land, and the Bible says that he settles in the land of the Ur of the Chaldeans. And I want to pause here for a second because I believe that some of us in this room have settled for less, 
have settled in your Ur of the Chaldeans. When God was leading you to a, to a better place, calling you to a better life, calling you to something more. But you, like Tara and me, at one point in our life, have just settled for less than God has for us. I just want to encourage you that God has so much more for your life. Don't settle. Don't settle. And so what God does, he comes to another man, Abraham. He says, I'm going to need you to say yes to me so I can carry out the mission. Look what happens in Genesis 12, 2 2 through 3. He says, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all families of the earth will be blessed. So yes, it's a big step, Abraham. But man, if there's a promise that if you take this step with me, not with the plan, but with me, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to stand in the way of people who curse you. I'm going to bless all the people of the earth because of you. Notice five blessings are attached with the yes and the invitation. I love that. And so we have this invitation that Abraham has. What is he going to do? He's at a decision point. And all of us in this room at one point in our lives are at a decision point whether or not we're going to say yes to the person of Christ or say no. And Abraham, what is he going to do? In Genesis uh, chapter 12, look at verse 4. He says, so Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. So he says yes, not to a map, but to the person. Abraham had heard about the Jehovah God, how he had come through for Noah, that he knew about the redemption plan that God has. And he says, listen, I'm gonna trust you that when I put my hope and trust in you, God, I know that you will come through and I won't be disappointed. God does sometimes give us an occasional hint, but he wants us to say yes to him, to the person. He wants you to know, man, am I enough for you? Even though I don't give you the detailed plans, am I enough for you to say yes to? That's my encouragement, man. If you're you're looking for a detailed plan, start by saying yes to God and say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And see, I don't believe that Abraham is the only person alive that God has stepped into their moment and is inviting them to say yes to me. God is stepping into your story, my story, and he's asking us to put our biggest yes on the table, not to a detailed plan, but to an almighty God. Because if you do that, he says, I want to bless you. I don't want to make your life a blessing for others. I want to touch lives. I want to touch lives because of the yes that you have. Listen, a lot of us, we're down in our microscopic world and we're, and we're working so hard and trying to get a promotion. We're working so hard to try to finish our degree. We're working so hard to get a lot of money, get that nice car. And God's like, wake up. I got so much more for you. I got so much more. Widen your lens. Look at all the possibilities that I want to do in and through you. Stop focusing on the details and start focusing on the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And watch this. Watch this. See, when Abraham said yes, then Isaac comes onto the scene. His son Isaac, you're like, okay, who cares, all right? But Isaac, listen, listen, Abraham was old dude, all right? He was 100 years old, Sarah was 90 years old, and God made him this promise, hey, your descendants are gonna be as numerous as the stars in the sky. 
And so God says, I'm going to do this. And you better believe when God makes a promise, he's going to do every miracle he can to make that promise come to fulfillment. And so Isaac comes onto the scene, which leads to Jacob. Jacob becomes a gateway to the people of God and the lineage of Jesus. So eventually the journey that Abraham started toward the promised land, he arrived in Cana, set up shop in Cana. The people of God get established in Cana so that God can come forth in the person of Jesus Christ to Cana so that he could be born in the promised land, so that he could live and die and be raised to life in the promised land so that you and I could be alive today so that the church of Jesus Christ could be born so CLC could exist in Dayton, Ohio all because of the yes. To, because he said yes to Jesus. I trust you. We're living in the flow of Abraham's yes. So you say yes to the person of Jesus Christ. And then I, I'm just so blessed to be a part of a church where it's not just Bible heroes, man, that are saying yes to the person. There's been so many of us in this room that have said yes to the person, but not to the plan. And you had no idea what the plan is. One of those guys is named Pete Dahl, and he's a member of our church for many years. People, uh, Pete started saying yes to God back in 1977 when someone asked him to help with construction for a month in the country of Guatemala. Little did he know that the Lord would ask him to move his entire family and stay for an entire year to do construction work. After a year, Pete and his family moved back to the States. But his prayer was, Lord, I'm available for whatever you want to use me. In 1987, his pastor asked him if he would help lead a Bible study at the Dayton Correctional Institution. And he said, yes. He says, now 20 years later, they, they still meet every Tuesday night. Peter's become friends with many of the inmates after they get released, and many would find a place to live, but they would need furniture. So he decided to do something about it. He would ask his family and friends to donate furniture. Word spread that they could help people, and more and more people began to donate furniture items. He began to have so much stuff that he would have to store it in five to six places. But then he told me last fall he was able to build a barn where he was able to store all the furniture so he could help and bless more people. And I love what Pete told me this week. L listen to what he said. He said, I never saw this happening. 35 years ago when I asked God to use me, but I give thanks every day that he allows me to serve in this way. As I look back, it has been a real joy to say yes to the Lord without any idea of where it would lead me. Come on, isn't that powerful today? <laughs> Pete Dahl, I believe he's here today, but I just want to thank you for that amazing story. And, and, when it, and, and it begs the question, what's waiting on our yes? What's waiting on our, our yes? What people, what nations, what sphere of influence, what generation is waiting on your yes to the person of Jesus Christ? My last point for you this weekend, and we'll wrap this up, is your big yes can change the world. Your big yes can change the world. I used to think that certain people were born with different levels of capacity, like the Steve Jobs of the world and, and Bill Gates and Jeff Bales of the world were, certain, were born with like certain levels of intelligence. But let me just say that, 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 that that's a myth because you were not born with limitations. You were born with possibilities. You were born for so much more. You were born to come up higher. You were born to multiply the gifts and the talents that are inside of you. Listen, you know the difference between people who succeed and people who fail? 
The people who succeed, they keep, they keep failing and getting back up and using what, using what they got, and they're not afraid to take risk, not afraid to step out, and therefore they keep moving up towards success. The question is, do you believe that you were made for more? Do you believe that your yes can change the world? Maybe it's the environment that you're in. The environment is limiting the gifts that are inside of you. There's certain gifts and callings that God has given you and, and, and you feel like, and you feel like it, the environment you're in is, is limiting those. Listen, you weren't born with limitations. You were born with possibilities. You're born with possibility. Who says you can't succeed? Who says you can't multiply what's inside of you? Who says that your yes can change the world? Be open to it. Luke 137 says nothing is impossible for God. So how do we do that? How, do, how does our yes change the world? Well, number one, you, you got to raise your thinking. Write that down. You got to raise your thinking. You got to raise your mindset higher. There was a story, a little boy who was fishing and he was right on the bank of this river and he was casting his fishing line there and an older man was watching from afar him fishing and all of a sudden this little boy catches this huge massive fish a big old bass and this older man runs out to him and he's like wow look at this fish that you caught and the little boy as he was as they were talking the little boy just throws that bass back into the lake and the older gentleman was like why would you do that that was a huge fish and the little boy said this my frying pan is only nine inches <laughs> let me just say this that's how a lot of people think though my frying pan is only nine inches. And we, and we, and we, we don't believe that, that, that the God that we serve is an Ephesians 3.20 God who can do more, immeasurably more that's inside of you. He wants you to say yes, and you can change the world. But here's the thing. The more we obey God and follow God and expand our thinking, he starts dropping opportunities that are beyond our capacity. Stop thinking about the limitations. Start thinking about the possibilities. What would happen if you said yes today? What would happen if you said yes? God, I'm here. I want to be used by you. And I want to change the world. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. See, what Satan does best is he gets inside your head and he tries to kill your confidence. He says, you can't change the world. You messed up too many times. You screwed up. You blew your marriage. You blew all your chances. You can't do it. You can't change the world. And all the while, God is saying in the other ear, hey, I've come to give you life, breathe new life into you. You can do it. You can change the world. Listen, there is not a certain level that you have to reach in order to say yes to change the world. There's not a certain age limit where you have to be at to say yes to change the world. There's not a certain level of spiritual maturity in which you need to have in order to say yes to change the world. You can start today. You don't have to wait to change the world. You don't have to wait 10 years from now. You can start by saying yes today. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do that, to start changing the world. Listen, I look at this God Says Vision book. I mean, we've been able to do some incredible things. All of us, we are literally changing the world right now. That, that's amazing. And some of you here this weekend are like, I, I, how can I be a part of that? 
You can be a part of it by helping us out with child sponsorship. There is about 250 kids left that need our help. We've been blessed to be working in the country of Eswatini and there's over 30 ICBCs, which if you don't know what an ICBC is, ICBC is a rural community church where there's a pastor's house, there's, there's, um, there's a church, and then there's a school. Two of our ICBCs actually have children's homes. And Eswatini has one of the highest populations of orphans, which means that they don't get the financial support like most kids do here in America, which means that they rely on our yes to saying yes to our finances, saying, yes, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to help this little child out. And my good friend Patrick is going to tell you some more about that, but I, I want to just commission you and challenge you today because you can start being a hero today. You, you don't have to wait. You can walk out of this room and you can be the hero and you can literally save someone's life, change someone's life. A destiny can be changed by you saying, I trust you, God, I'm saying yes. My question is, do you have room for one more in your heart? Do you have one, room for one more child in your relationship circle? We have this whole huge relationship circle, friends, family, coworkers, grandkids. But I guarantee that none of those people in that relationship circle need your support more than ever like these children do in Eswatini. They need your yes. They need you to step up and be the hero. Listen, you don't have to wait to be a world changer. You don't have to wait to be a difference maker. You can make a difference starting today. I want you to watch this short video about how so many lives are being impacted and touched because of so many people like you saying yes to sponsoring a child. Take a look. So church, my question today is, do you have room for one more? Do you have room for one more to sponsor a child that will change the trajectory of their life? Church, today we have the possibility to say yes, a big yes. And for most, $27 a month might not feel like a big yes in the amount that we are giving, but it's a big yes in the impact that we're making. So here in a moment, we are gonna give everybody the opportunity to say yes. To say yes to sponsoring a child that will change that child's life forever. For $27 a month, you can sponsor a child that will guarantee them four things. First, it'll guarantee that they get a meal every single day when they come to school. Oftentimes, a child doesn't know when their next meal is going to come. But by attending our preschools and being part of our child sponsorship program, they're guaranteed to get a meal every single day. The second thing that we help to pay for for $27 a month is for the teachers and the curriculum. These teachers speak life into these kids, pour into them, pray over them, teach them, love them. In a nation where almost 20% of the populations are orphans, most kids don't have caregivers or people speaking into their lives, yet these teachers each day are teaching them about the giftings and the abilities that God has created and, and instilled in them at a young age. The third thing is it provides them with a school uniform. It guarantees them a set of clothes, and, in, and if they do not have a set 
of clothing or a school uniform, they can't go to school. And then fourth, finally, what we feel is the most important part is these kids are learning about the love and the hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ. At our ICBCs, they are being taught, whether it's the three-year-old, whether it's a four-year-old, whether it's a five-year-old, however old they are, they are learning about the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. That by your yes today can change the trajectory of a child's life forever. I've got the opportunity to travel to Eswatini almost five times and seen firsthand the impact that our child sponsorship program is making in the lives of these kids. Not knowing when their next meal may come, not knowing where clothing may be provided for, not knowing who's going to be taking care of them, but we today as a church can say yes and change their life forever instilling them the love and the hope of Jesus Christ, teaching them that they've been given gifts and abilities, that God has a purpose and a plan for their life. Today, right now, we can say yes. So as all of the section leaders are standing here in a moment, we are gonna give you the opportunity to say yes. Our child sponsorship, we are in need of 235 people to sponsor children. We have over 600 kids currently being sponsored through our CLC uh, congregation, which is incredible. But we have a big goal of 235 kids being sponsored. But what I am reminded is it may be a big goal, but we serve a big God. And I believe that we as a congregation can say yes, can be the heroes today that Pastor Josh talked about by our yes by $27 a month, less than 90 cents a day, we can say yes and change the trajectory of a child's life. So here in just a moment, on count of three, I'm gonna ask you to be courageous. I'm gonna ask you if the Holy Spirit is stirring in your heart to raise your hand and you'll be given a packet to sponsor a child that will be changing their life forever. So right here on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to say yes, to raise your hand to say yes, that I will sponsor a child that I will pray for that child, that I will believe in that child, that I will invest in that child to change the trajectory of their life. So on the count of three, one, two, three, will you just raise your hand and say, yes, yes, I will say yes, I will sponsor a child. I will pray for that child. I will believe in that child. I will pray for that ICBC. I will trust that God has a purpose and a plan for their life. That for $27 a month, I'm saying yes, 90, less than 90 cents a day, I will say yes to sponsoring a child. I will say yes to praying for them. I will say yes to believing that this could change the trajectory of their life. It's a big yes, not in the amount that you're given, but it's a big yes in the impact that you're going to be making. Thank you all who said yes today. You truly are changing this child's life forever. A child that may have nothing, but knowing a sponsor, a 16 hour flight away is praying for them and supporting them. I'm gonna actually give you some time to walk you through how you uh, can sign up. So you can click the QR code and everybody online, we have the link uh, in the chat below that you can sponsor a child just right alongside of us here in the room today. And if you don't have a computer or a phone, uh, you can stop by the table in the lobby. We have a child sponsorship table out there where you can write a check uh, to sponsor a child. But when you select the QR code, it'll take you to purecharity.com. 
And here you have the opportunity to choose if you wanna sponsor a boy or a girl. They're all in the nation of Eswatini because they're all in our ICBCs. Uh, you then select your child. There's no pictures or names as of now from a privacy standpoint, but as soon as you sign up, you'll get a link within the next week or two with your child's name and a picture and what ICBC they are at. So you'll select the child and then you'll go to the payment information. You'll put your information in there. Uh, you can pray, you can, sorry, you can pay through ACH, which is through our online portal, or you can select your other payment option through a credit card. Uh, and then you will get a link in the next week or two to, to, to see that child that you sponsor. But church, thank you so much for saying yes. Thank you for making room in your heart for one more, one more child that lives will forever be changed because you said yes, a big yes in the impact that you are making truly all around the world. So church, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for being a part that, of a church that believes in helping to make a difference all around the world. And thank you for making room for one more.